Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 149. Our guest today is Eric Satz, founder and CEO of Alto IRA. Eric is a former investment banker and serial entrepreneur who's seen both wins and losses. Since investing is no longer just for the wealthy, Eric is living out his mission of delivering 21st century investment opportunities to everyone, including helping business owners become aware of alternate asset investing. Welcome, Eric, to Business Owners Radio. Thanks for having me, Craig and Shai. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk to the listeners. Now, we're really excited about this topic. It's a bit unusual, which is great. Uh, high interest on our part from the standpoint of possible implementations here. And we've been looking forward to this topic of alternative asset investing with great curiosity. And tell us a little bit about the paths that led you to this area of focus. That's a great question. So I was running a business. It was a, a venture capital fund, actually. And I had the opportunity to invest alongside the fund in, in a few of the portfolio companies. And I was looking at my IRA account, which obviously is a long-term investment account because you can't touch your IRA money until you retire. At least you shouldn't because you will otherwise pay early withdrawal penalties. And I thought to myself, you know, alternative assets sort of defined as non-publicly traded securities which could be private equity, venture capital, real estate, marketplace loans. These are all long-term assets and you should match long-term investment dollars with long-term assets. And you have the advantage of an IRA savings account being either tax deferred or tax-free if it's a Roth IRA. And I said, you know, I should be using this money for these investments. I'm going to go figure out how to do it. The first step was to make sure that it was legal, which it is. And I think that's actually an important point, which is that most people are unaware of the fact that you can use your retirement savings to invest in non-registered securities. So you don't have to limit yourself to Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, any other broker dealer of choice out there, but you can do what we call self-direct or what we specifically refer to as alternative IRA investing. And so I actually made three investments with other custodians. Alto IRA is a custodian, which is required for IRA investing. I made these three investments. I found that it was too complicated for most people. It it just so happens that I have a background in venture capital investing, and I was an investment banker before that. And it was also too expensive, too expensive because the process up until now has really been people and paper burdens. And so given the expense of maintaining an annual account of this type, you had to write a check of a certain size in order to rationalize it. And as I had these disappointing experiences, I decided I'm going to research the space to see if it's a large enough one that we can fix. It turns out that we have $30 trillion sitting in retirement savings. Business owners account for a significant percentage of that amount. 
And yet we have less than 1% or $300 billion actually invested in alternatives. And by the way, privately owned businesses are alternative assets. And so if you look at a typical portfolio, you're going to find somewhere between 10 and 15% invested in alternatives. And by typical, I mean sort of higher net worth individual. So why weren't people using their IRA to invest in alternative assets? And I identified sort of the points that I alluded to earlier. Most people don't know you can do it. It's too complicated for most people and too expensive for most people. So what we decided to do was build a platform that would connect issuers and investors in a scalable way and cost-effective way so that the same way TurboTax made self-filing really easy, we could make alternative asset investing really easy for the average investor, if you will. And small business owners in specific are probably more familiar than most with the fact that they probably have a significant portion of their net worth tied up in their business. And so they're looking for asset diversification. So why not invest in real estate? Why not invest in other businesses where they have deep industry or expertise and begin to set themselves up for retirement where should something unfortunate happen to their business, they're not beholden to that circumstance and instead have multiple eggs and multiple baskets and can better position themselves for the future. After some great insight and overview, I was curious, has alternate asset investing been available to the business owner and their business structure for many years or for the recent times? Wow. Fantastic question. So the answer is it depends on whether or not you're an accredited investor. So there's what we refer to as the accredited investor and the non-accredited investor. And then the answer gets sort of bifurcated for the accredited investor. So an accredited investor is someone who has a million dollars of liquid net worth or has made $200,000 each of the last two years and expects to make at least $200,000 in the current year. If you're looking at a married couple, then that number is $300,000 for the couple to qualify as accredited. So even if you're accredited, most people still have not had access to alternatives in the past because most issuers, companies raising money, or others who are raising money, require a check of a certain size. So obviously, the media refers to the mass affluent audience. The mass affluent audience is largely comprised of those who qualify as accredited, but maybe don't yet have significant liquid net worth. And so in the past, they really haven't had access to this alternative asset category. What has changed is the proliferation of investment platforms across asset categories. So what do I mean by that? I mean, you can go to a place like AngelList if you're an accredited investor and invest $1,000 in a company in an industry space that you're familiar with and you think has significant upside. You can go to Pier Street or Ground Floor or Crowd Street and invest in real estate deals. You could go to Yield Street and invest in a maritime deal, or you can go to Yield Street and also invest in a litigation finance opportunity. But the point is, there are other platforms where 
You could lend to other small business owners. You can lend to munis. You can do peer-to-peer lending. None of this existed really as early as three years ago. And so now if you're an accredited investor, you have lots of opportunity to go make alternative asset investments in smaller check sizes, and you can do it on either a tax-deferred or tax-free basis. And I say tax-free because if you're investing out of your Roth IRA account, you know, you've already paid the tax on those dollars, and that account is going to grow tax-free until you withdraw at retirement age. And on the alternative investment side, What's really the draw from the standpoint you've got a risk versus reward trade-off? I'm assuming that there's some real reward benefits to taking that extra risk and possibly an alternate asset. Yeah. So, and I want to be clear here in that what we like to see people do is diversify their investment portfolio. So we're not saying invest entirely in alternatives. The same way we're saying don't invest entirely in public market securities. So if you look at the public markets, for example, it used to be that we had more than 9,000 public companies. Now we have less than 4,000. And of the 4,000, roughly 200 account for all of the profits in the marketplace, which means that every ETF, mutual fund, and index fund must be comprised of some variation of those 200 names. And as a result, you know, if you believe in efficient capital markets, all of the excess return is sort of squeezed out of those opportunities at this point. So if you're going to reach for some outsized return, some what we refer to as alpha return, you need to be investing in places where the markets are less efficient where maybe the information isn't as great, where the outcomes are still a bit unknown. And so you are trading those risks for greater upside reward, no question about it. But you should do it as a percentage of your net worth that still enables you to sleep well at night. You mentioned something about platforms as far as different places and such as angel investors and so forth. Tell me more about that sector. Sure. So we partner with various investment platforms in order to provide a really streamlined way for individuals to use their retirement savings to make investments in these assets on these platforms. So AngelList, for example, really, I think, paved the way for alternative asset investing for angels in what I would call smaller bite sizes right? So you can invest in as little as $1,000 in a particular company opportunity. If you're a non-accredited investor, you can go to an investment platform like WeFunder or Republic, and you can invest as little as $100 in a company or similar opportunity on those platforms. And so the non-accredited investor previously couldn't invest in alternatives at all. Thanks to the JOBS Act and Title III, we now have something called regulation crowdfunding, which we funder and Republic are, I guess you could say, certified under regulation crowdfunding. And so alternative asset opportunities that are listed on those platforms meet certain criteria, which allow them to be sold to public retail investors. But you're still making a private company investment. And hopefully you have the opportunity for a large upside return. 
Eric, I'm curious about the analysis piece of this, right? So if I'm new to alternative investing, how do I begin to evaluate? Let's say I have $10,000 and I want to try this out. How do I begin to evaluate the different types of assets? So we kind of think about it in a couple of different ways. You can think about whether or not you're looking for equity exposure or debt exposure. And the two biggest sort of differences in those asset classes, right, is that equity, you're really hoping for a large outcome sometime into the future, whereas debt, you're probably looking for a higher than otherwise available current income return. And so you start with there's equity opportunity, there's debt opportunity. If you break down equity, you can then go to Do I want an early stage company, sort of what we would characterize as a mezzanine type opportunity? Or are you looking for a later stage opportunity where the company is actually pretty well established? The downside is relatively calculable, let's say. And the upside, while still interesting, is not going to be the same as it might be in an early stage opportunity. On the debt side, you have high yield opportunities on these platforms in the form of real estate, in the form of maritime, I mentioned earlier, could be shipping containers, could be the ships themselves, could be litigation finance, could be peer-to-peer lending. And so those are the two big buckets, I would say. As you dig down into each one and try to identify the exact opportunities that are available for you or make sense for you. What's interesting is that because this is still a new and growing market space, research is just now beginning. And by that, I mean research in specific opportunities, in specific names is just now beginning to take hold. So there's no like morning star that's established itself yet for private equity. I actually think it's a great opportunity for a company like Motley Fool to sort of become the leading publisher and registered investment advisor in the alternative asset space. So in addition to Motley Fool, we see a number of other folks who see the same opportunity. Uh, There's a company called King's Crowd that will analyze and give their opinion on the private equity opportunities, venture capital opportunities on AngelList or WeFunder or Silicon Prairie or Republic and platforms like that. So there is a growing amount of research that an individual can Google to begin to educate themselves. But the other thing I would say is, you know, especially in the early days of just sort of dipping your toe in the water and and trying to understand how this all works, stick to the things that you know well, right? So if you run a software company, Look for other software company opportunities where you understand the challenges and the opportunities and think you could even potentially add value to the owner or founder of that particular business. The other thing I would say is, and this is something that we're looking to do at Alto, is create a community on the Alto website where our investors can actually have dialogue around why they made an investment, what they liked about it, what the criteria were that they used to decide yay or nay, and then allow others who are maybe just beginning to learn how to do this to have conversations with them around their thinking. 
And so the same way people will go on Twitter and talk about public company stocks that they like there, ultimately, we want people coming to Alto to talk about why they like certain alternative asset opportunities. That was really long-winded, Shai, but I hope I answered your question. No, I think you did a great job. And so I'm curious, as we make these investments, we try to find assets that already have some comfort with because we understand uh, you know, the model of how they work, like you said, whether it's real estate or anything else. And then ideally, our investments grow. And then I'm curious about how these different investments, the time horizons for the different investments and how that relates to our long-term play if we're not going to take this money out for another 20 years. Yeah. So especially on the equity side, and I'll say equity in an early stage company, you want to assume that that capital is going to be locked up for seven to 10 years. So that time horizon begins to match up and get closer to your time horizon for your retirement savings investing. What's interesting is that we all pay a premium to invest our IRA account in public securities. And we pay a premium because of this liquidity factor, right? Which is you can get your money at any time. You can buy and sell at any time. And as a result, we pay a higher price for that, which by definition means therefore a lower return. And the thing about your retirement savings is that you actually don't need that liquidity or you shouldn't be thinking of it as a near-term liquid asset. And so what you really want is not a premium price paying for a given asset. What you really want is a premium return. And alternative assets, because they are illiquid, have that what we call illiquidity premium return associated with them. And so it's really that asset matching that makes all the sense in the world, not to mention that when you do get money back and you reinvest it, you're not paying tax in between. And so there's a compounding growth effect that should also not be ignored. Understood. So there's an exit at seven or 10 years after I put it in, I get that money back, but I'm not paying taxes on it at that time. I reinvest it and I don't have to deal with that until I take out my IRA, perhaps in another 10 years. Again, given a 20 year time horizon, it's going to be different for everyone. Correct. Fascinating. So let's talk about the other side of the coin. Is this a platform that could benefit me as a business owner if I'm looking to raise capital? Yes, it can. So if you are raising capital and you have investors who want to use their retirement savings, you can come to the Alto IRA platform. You create what we call an issuer account, and then you can invite your investors to your transaction in one of two ways. You can either do it one at a time directly on the platform, or we give you a button to click, which generates a private URL for your company and your offering, which you then can send out in an email to all of your potential investors saying, hey, if you have retirement savings that you'd hope to generate higher returns with, knowing that you can't touch this money anyway for a period of time. You can now invest in our deal through the Alto IRA platform. Here's the link. And when those people come to Alto IRA via that link, once they set up their account, they will immediately be associated with that company's deal. 
So let's say I have a business and there's an expansion opportunity, right? And I know that if I can open this new location or tap into this new market, I feel like there's a really good chance of a long-term return because when I go to exit this business, it's going to be worth so much more. That's the kind of thing that I could develop a package around what that opportunity looks like, what that future exit could look like as a result of that opportunity. And if I have a track record and my business has been running at a profit and I can demonstrate that, this is a way to attract alternative investment. That's exactly correct. Well, that's great because I'm just making it up as I'm trying to understand <laughs> no, but, but that <laughs> what really, you're offering. That really yeah. is exactly correct, right? So, and let's say, by the way, I'm a business owner who has grown a business over the last 15 or 20 years. I have this expansion opportunity. I don't really want to sell equity, but I right. don't mind paying a higher interest yield to somebody, right? And I can demonstrate my cash flows and I don't want to go to a bank for whatever reason. This is a great way to access known capital sources to generate a return for your investors. And so how would one go about trying to understand what the appropriate interest rate or what a market rate might be for the thing you're trying to do, since it is sort of an alternative way of raising the capital? You know, I wouldn't expect to pay traditional VC rates for sure. And I know a lot of venture capital is not available in the middle market anyway. That's right. So what are your your thoughts on that? What, What kind of advisor would I seek and how would I think about that? Yeah. So I, I, I think in any sort of deal, you want to find kind of a lead investor. And so um, if you're trying to raise $100,000, uh, let's say, you know, and look, you can add zeros all the way up, right? It could be 100000 could be a million, sure. could be 10 million, whatever it is. You probably want to find someone who wants to own maybe 25% of that deal. And as a result, says to you, look, here are the terms under which I'll make this investment. And maybe it's 8%, maybe it's 12%, right? And uh, I I think a lot of small business owners today, to their credit, um, have mentors that they can speak with or business coaches, or they're in uh, EO or YPO, and, and they can have conversations with their trusted circle, if you will. So what is reasonable? And once you find what you think should be a a market clearing price, then those are the deal terms that you put onto the platform and list. And those are the deal terms that you market to the people who you think would be interested in your deal. You know, Eric, it's so interesting to see this new application in the fintech space here, right? So, So thinking about creating these new opportunities for the different class of investors, opening this up to more people via crowdfunding. And also the opportunities you're creating for these other folks that are trying to raise money, whether it's for their business or any other kind of investment opportunity. Where do you see this thing going? I mean, where's the future of investing, whether it's for an IRA or retirement account situation or just in terms of traditional investing? How disruptive will this be? Well, my hope is that it'll be hugely disruptive, right? I think this is the next iteration of the capital markets. I think this is taking, to a certain degree, it's taking the financing controls out of what up until now has been centralized in, you know, let's just say New York City, and it's decentralizing the fundraising opportunities across investment platforms and directly across issuers themselves, and then also with funding platform sources like ours. 
And so I really think it's the next evolution of capital markets. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today on Business Owners Radio. Craig and Chai, really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. And is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners today? What I would say is that if you are interested in diversifying your retirement portfolio and you have an appetite for being a little bit more aggressive in terms of what you would like your returns to be, I'd urge people to go to www.altoira.com, so altoira.com, check out the platform. And we'd love to hear from you. We're not one of the companies where you can only email us. We have a chat capability and we also give you the ability to actually schedule a phone call or a Zoom session with us. So we're here to help. We want to provide a voice to this market space and opportunity. And if we can help you, we'd love the opportunity to do that. Our guest today has been Eric Satz, founder and CEO of Alto IRA. You can learn more about Eric with links from the show all on our website at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.